Hi, everyone. My name is PK, and here I have uh, Diva Yarakalva, who is a property investor. She has volunteered um, to share with us her time, which I'm very grateful for. She's not a client of mine, so like, why, why, why am I doing this episode? The reason is because I'm just trying to get more and more and more real people, real investors with real stories, hardships, challenges, successes, everything to serve to inspire you guys, to serve to educate you guys, and also serve to give you the realization of what it takes to be a long-term property investor. Because most people on most YouTube channels, most podcasts, most Facebook groups, only interview people that have something to sell you, right? They're, they share their journey. They're actually a buyer's agent. They share their journey. They're really a mortgage broker. They share, really, share their journey. They're really accountants. But when you have people like amazing people like Diva, um, who really, there's no agenda, there's no motive, there's no innuendo, then I feel that we can learn so much more because it's really honest and authentic. So thank you so much for, for making time. No, thanks, PK, for having me. Welcome to the Oz Property Investment Mastery Podcast. My name is PK and I help busy people build passive income by buying top 5% growth and cash flow property and build a portfolio using data without wasting months doing research, spending weekends at inspection or catching flights or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents every single time. So if you're confused, lack confidence and just overwhelmed with all the information and marketing misinformation available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. So, I mean, I, I know that uh, we've exchanged messages a few times and I'm really grateful for you to come on um, and, and we can talk about mindset. We can talk about how you started your property investing as a as a solo mother of, of two children. You work in healthcare. Like there's, there's so many things that we can talk about, but maybe just from the start, because I think you started your property investing when you were already a solo mom or a single mom. What? Like, why are you a property investor? Yeah, that's a good question because that's it seems like a risky thing to do, especially if you're on your own. Um, so, so essentially, I was sort of found myself on my own in 2018, um, and so that's actually quite frightening because, like, you have then you then become solely responsible for the finances of your house and for your kids as well so um and there was this big big mortgage on the house that I was in so I basically just I just really worked really hard to try and pay that mortgage down and at that time um my son who's the older child he was going to high school we had to move into the city and so obviously I know that you get a lot less um for the dollar in um close to the city so I know we'd have to downsize, um, but I didn't want to have a mortgage. I think the security thing was really important to me. Um, and obviously I know now that it's it's not such a big deal, but for me, like kind of I needed that security. So I basically became mortgage-free um, January, 2021. And the plan was to become mortgage-free and then invest. That was my plan. Um, and yeah, I started investing. Um, uh, property investing, um, not shares or anything else. I mean, I do a bit of that now, but it was definitely property investing for me, um, 100%. Right. And was that, 
was it hard for you? Because um, like I don't know, different people are different. But were you already across the finances in your whole household uh, previous to becoming, um, you know, on your own, or or did you have to like learn financial literacy? Because you're you're a healthcare worker, so yes, for yeah. a lot of healthcare workers, you guys are really good at like I don't know, I'm being yeah. just like biology <laughs> and stuff, but like not so much the numbers. I, I was managing most of the finances, um, but I wasn't the breadwinner in the house. Um, so I think, I think that bit, I've never really, since my kids were born, I haven't really worked full time. So, um, I never really to be in that sort of position. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it was, it was that bit that was tricky, um, for sure. And then also, I think it just felt immensely, I felt like just the immense weight of responsibility, um, for the money side of things um you know when you've got the second person there's always someone to bounce out ideas off and um mm. and like manage like at least there's a second source of income I guess or at least someone to talk to think talk about things with yeah um so like yeah that was um that was probably the most difficult thing um and obviously, like, if I didn't go to work, I don't get paid. So yeah. um, I, I don't get sick pay or annual leave or anything like that. So, yeah. So obviously I had to keep healthy and um, look after my mental health um, for myself and my kids, um, really. Um, I know we've digressed yeah. off the finances. But no, yeah. I think this is a really important discussion because, um, yeah, I think it all starts with, with obviously mental health and, and physical health. And if something like that happens like a separation or a divorce or something like that then oftentimes um, things go downhill just because you lose control of your own life and obviously retaining control of yourself starts in the mind or starts in the head Um, so I think that's a really important conversation to have so like post all of that occurring so you moved in closer to the city um, obviously you you weren't the breadwinner of the house as you'd said um, previously. Now you are. Was there like a, a a switch in your head that just you know like an adrenaline rush almost that kind of said, okay, well now I need to step up my game, and property is going to be it, and that's going to be the vehicle by which I and and my kids get ahead, or or like how did you get into property specifically? Yeah, I mean, it, I think you're right. I think there was definitely the adrenaline kind of, okay, let's push this thing forward. Um, and for some reason I had it in my head at that time. And, and this is probably because I was on my own that I wanted to be mortgage-free first before um, I pushed to property investing. Um, obviously in hindsight, I know that that's not necessarily, like for other people, that's necessarily the route. Um, but for me, it was meant for me having that backup that, okay, no one can take my house from me, mm-hmm. my home, um, the the roof over my head, um, everything else is fine. Um, and my car's, car's owned outright. So I've got, I've got transport, I've got a place to live. And then for me, yeah, it was just property made sense. Um, Australian property made huge amounts of sense um, to me. I don't I think we're so lucky in this country. I'm from the UK and um so I I think the property market over there is quite different to here. Um the opportunities are just like they're so good um over here. Like and as you say in your podcast, you know, like fifteen thousand suburbs um that to choose from, like, you know, such diversity. 
and different states and it's just it, it, it the numbers made sense it's just taking that first leap yeah. um when you're by yourself um so yeah um yeah I mean property the numbers made sense um I felt comfortable with doing it um it was just nervous to do the first one um after you get your first one out of the way it's all good <laughs> yeah I just want to pick up on this because I'm not terribly educated on on the subject um but you said that there's far more opportunity in Australia yeah. versus uh, the UK like I, I've lived in the UK as well I mean I wasn't a property owner in the yeah. UK but are you making that statement from the perspective of it's cheaper here or there are cheaper areas than like London or or like where could you just expand upon that because oftentimes people yeah. think of Australians like oh Sydney's the most expensive city in the world on a oh, yeah. affordability basis it's the hardest to start property investing but you're saying the opposite <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely I mean like you know and I'm not a blue chip investor by any at all. Yeah. <laughs> like none of my properties are expensive at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that's why I relate to you, your and you and your community. Um, but um, like yeah, for instance, the pound is like half of the dollar, for instance. And the incentives to be a property investor in Australia are just so good. Like my sister in the UK, she she invests in property. But she's she kind of flips them more because, you know, like I suppose holding them, the incentives to hold them aren't there um, in terms of, I suppose, gearing. The obvious one is gearing and just all the things that you can, I suppose, claim back on tax. Um, and um, that's probably the big one, I think. Um, and just that the laws at the moment are quite I think favorable to us and I think they're favorable to tenants as well like I look after all my tenants mm. but I think it's just so incentivized here and I think it's because of lack of public housing here whereas the UK there's lots of public housing but they've got lots of other issues going on right. that I won't elaborate on yeah. <laughs> so there's a reason you, you moved initially in the yeah. first place from the UK yeah. um, and so how many do you have like how many properties do you have at the moment I have three properties at the moment. Um, okay. I have stopped currently because I'm renovating my house. So, um, yeah, so, but I'll plan to sort of buy more next year. That's the plan. Right. And do you mind sharing where where you bought them? Yeah, sure. So the first one I bought, so I, I live in Newcastle. Um, mm -hmm. The first one I bought was in the Hunter Valley, um, uh, settled in July 2021. Um the second one I bought uh, in Queensland, in Kalanga, um, sort of about 30, 40 minutes from CBD. And the third one I bought in Mandura in per near Perth. Yeah. And that was last year as well. So, and they've all, I think they've bought them well. <laughs> Maybe not by everybody else's standards, but I think they've all, <laughs> I could see the equity growth in all of them. So yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. That's great to hear. And, um, you know, you're, you're a healthcare worker um on a single income I, I would assume so how how are you managing the properties from a cash flow perspective are they costing you a ton to hold or are they almost neutral what's the sort of situation there so again sort of Pika I could have gone into highly negatively geared prop one property maybe bought one in Sydney for the mm -hmm. price of the three but it would have costed me a lot to hold it and I probably could have afforded it um I just didn't I just didn't see I didn't see that. So from the get-go, all my properties had to hold themselves or pretty much hold themselves. 
Um, so yeah, they haven't really costed me anything really to hold or not much really um, to hold at all. Um, the rents pretty much cover um, the the loans on them, um, a property manager's fees. I've got great property managers um, now. They're all really good and no problem tenants so far. So that's good. all been good. That, that's good to hear because, you know, sometimes we think that um, interest rates were low, now they're high. You know, people who have bought and built a portfolio quickly, like yourselves, three properties since 2020 or 2021, I think you said, you know, people often think that, oh, you know, all those must be costing a bomb now because you didn't anticipate interest rate rises. But it's I'm glad to hear that, um, you know, you actually invested prudently and didn't buy those properties that cost $30,000 a year to hold in blue chip Melbourne or, or Sydney. So that that's very smart going. And were there like any challenges that you experienced throughout your your journey i mean you're a fairly new property investor almost uh, if that's yeah. fair to say but yeah yeah what was like the biggest challenge or challenges that you face so far i think the biggest challenge is just i suppose trusting people um and so the first one actually the property manager wasn't doing a very good job so i had to i rang around and i found a really good property manager and she's been managing it fantastically um but just having the I suppose the challenges are just keeping in touch with your property managers, managing your asset managers. That's what I call the property managers because they are managing your assets um, and sort of just touching base with them because um, it is a business. Um, it's not a hobby at all. So in, in regards to like you have your day job, you have your parenting and then you've got your properties. <laughs> you still need to kind of, you know, um, you have to be, in touch with all elements of that, the insurances and the bills, and obviously the property managers should be able to take care of that. Yeah. And then at tax time, um, just making sure it's all ready for your accountant. And yeah, I just prepared stuff for my tax for my accountant. I've just like spent hours just making sure it's all ready. Because it's time, right? It's the yeah, worst time of the year. it's the worst time. <laughs> and um, I was gonna say um, yeah, and now there's like three now, so like I'm just getting it all ready for her. But obviously. After that, it should be smooth sailing for the future yeah. years. So, like, yeah, it's just the extra admin paperwork and keeping in touch with extra people. How long does um, that take, though? Because, you know, I mean, you've probably not got oodles of spare time, but, like, no, how, no. how much time would you spend maybe, I don't know, uh, a month on property? Oh, like, it wouldn't be much. It's just remembering to do it, I think. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm just like, oh, I need to touch base with my property manager just to make sure. Oh, how's it going? Yeah. Um, and in fact, I'm getting new tenants in for the WA one. And she sent me a nice little video just saying, oh, and she's at the property now because obviously I'm, I'm all the way over here. Um, she always sends me videos from the property and just, you know, shows me how it is. And it's it's nice. It's nice. I wouldn't be able to do that here. I, w I would not do that myself. No. So like, yeah. No. No way. Yeah. Investing and managing your properties yourself, like as in like not having a property manager is whoever can do that successfully, like hats off to them, but that's not really a, a recommended option. Certainly not from me. A property no, manager is, I think, the most important person or, or component of your team. Even, I mean, everyone has a critical role to play, but property managers are like really critical and like the linchpins of any large, um, you know, scaled property portfolio. So I think I completely agree with that. And just out of curiosity, like, do your, I don't know how old your kids are. I think you have two. You yes. Yeah, I've got two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how old are they? 
Um, so my son's just turned 15 and my daughter's just turned 13. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, so they're yeah. kind of like the sort of teenage years. Are they, they are. do they know that their, their mother is a property, <laughs> property investor? investor? Are they into it? <laughs> yeah, actually, um, I talk, I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I talk about investing with them a lot. Um, I make sure. Sh- I make sure it's an important discussion with them and obviously so they can feel um, empowered uh, when their time comes and that they see that I'm a single brown Indian origin woman doing it for myself as well. Um, sounds cliched. Didn't want to, like, you know, I didn't want to, I don't want to sort of play, oh, so I'm an ethnic minority and I'm on my own. The victim and stuff, card and all that sort of thing, right? Exactly right. Like yeah. it's not with my personality, but I just want them to see it and immerse it and then decide for themselves if, that, if that's what they want to do. But we talk about investing a lot, yeah. <laughs> probably annoyingly so. No, that's, um, I mean, I wish I had, I mean, my mother is fantastic, but, you know, I wish I had more of that growing up because you oftentimes you don't think about, money or finances unless you have to think about them and you don't talk to True. your kids about it unless you have to talk to your kids about it so even like yes. right now my, my son's only almost five and he always oh, asks yeah. for stuff and I'm like well you got your piggy <laughs> bank are you gonna probably they may understand the gravitas of what you're doing for them right now yeah. or they may not but at least yeah. in the future they will because they'll be like well you know my my mom hustled and yeah. now we have an abundant life because of what she did when I was 13, when I was 15. Yeah, exactly right. And um, what I was going to say was, yeah, like like with your parents, my parents, we with an immigrant mentality of we don't have much at all. We don't talk about money um, or it's scrimp and save, scrimp and save. It's always mm. scarce mm. Um, and fear. And I'm like, no, I, I don't I don't fear to be the conversation now. I want to like let's take a risk let's be abundant um let's kind of it sounds all very airy fairy but it's kind of like um yeah let's let's just try and try it and see and you know I've tried it and I can prove I pulled the equity out of my first property and used it to buy um the third property so um yeah I could see it and envision it for myself um so, so yeah. scarcity mindset um diva is like obviously as you know um, it's where you think that it's always a competition. If if other people have um, a level of resources, that means that that is being taken away from me. Or for me to get resources is always going to be a challenge. And that means other people are going to have resources taken away from them. It's like, you know, there's a scarce amount of resources in, in the world. And obviously abundant mindset is like everyone else can have everything. I can have everything. Money is not a challenge to earn money is not a challenge, to be abundant is not a challenge, to spend is fine because I'll always earn more than I'll ever spend. Like this is the kind of mindset of those who are financially successful. It seems to me that, I mean, you're saying it yourself, that you are quite abundant in your mentality and mindset. Is that natural for you? I mean, despite being of kind of the immigrant parents that we're both from, um, did you always have this kind of mentality or was the the separation kind of the trigger for you to force this mentality. I shouldn't say force, but like transition or, or yeah. how are you thinking like this? And, and the reason I'm asking this question is because there will literally be thousands of people who um, listen to this uh, podcast. Um, and of those, there'll probably be 50% who get everything that you're saying, who are nodding along, but then never actually take any action. Do you know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was of the scarcity mindset, um, up until 
sometimes life forces you into certain positions and you can choose one of two routes. You can either choose to continue to be a victim and a product of the circumstances or you choose to thrive and you consciously make that decision to do so, um, which takes a lot of inner work, um, meditation, personal growth. Um, that takes time to, um, so yeah, so I would say that, so be, be finding myself on my own, um, maybe through through that circumstance has sort of pushed me into this way. And actually I cut out all the outside noise of someone else saying maybe I couldn't do it to I've told myself I can do it because um, I suppose if I mention I've never really had as much autonomy and definitely not as much financial autonomy growing up or while married as I do now. So that has given me the confidence to go, I'm going to push for these decisions. And, you know, when when COVID happened, I thought, well, the worst things, one of the worst things you can go through has happened. So, you know, bring it on, <laughs> bring on everything. Um, so let's just do it. You're a bit more likely to take a risk if you've been through something as, as, as bad as that. Um, you're like, if I can push through this, look, <laughs> if so if my property doesn't grow, so what? That's not the terrible end of the world. Um, so... There are certain events that define your life, I suppose, and that was one of them. Um, but yeah, look, you put two people in that circumstance, they'll react differently to um, that situation. Um, always be fearful. I mean, they even teach in my kids' school about growth and abundance mindset versus the scarcity thing you said, because my kids sort of went, oh, okay, oh, yeah, we already got taught that in school. Oh, no <laughs> and I'm like, so like what you were saying and what I'm saying, they're like, oh, yeah, cool, we've, we've, we've been taught that. I'm like, okay, that's great. Um, are you actually absorbing that? Is that a, um abstract concept to you? Are you actually, you know, are you actually pushing that out there? Will time will tell. We'll see. I've diverted right off the topic. No, this, I, lo I love it. I don't know that teach that they taught this at school. I, I no, that, no, no. Nowadays, it's like, yeah, it's um, apparently good. it's been taught. Yeah. That's, that's good to hear. I, I completely agree. I mean, sometimes you almost, not that we ever want challenges, but the more challenges you face, you actually find that human beings are very resilient and that we yeah. overcome those challenges. And every time there's like a mountain that we think, that we couldn't climb and we do climb it because of just dire necessity that gives us so much more confidence that when an even bigger mountain presents itself we know that we can conquer it even though it's bigger than the previous challenge or mountain that we climbed it's like we have that mental fortitude and so I think it's like I mean no one wishes negative things to happen but the more negative things that do happen I, I feel people become a stronger mentally for it and some of the best not just property investors some of the most abundant people in the world are those who have experienced such hardship and they look back on that not thinking of it as something that they would ever want to change because it's made them who they are today so I think anyone who's watching or listening or or, or consuming this content right now don't be afraid just like um Diva was saying, don't be afraid of like, oh, hey, I mean, not that I want this to happen. Don't be afraid of like property not growing, for example. Like everything is genuinely a learning opportunity. I know it sounds a bit like woo-woo and everything like that, but this is the kind of mindset that we have to adopt if we're truly, like truly going to build 
six-figure passive incomes or truly going to improve our, our net wealth well into the seven figures. This is how people like that think. And if if I or you, or if we don't think this way, then we're never going to get there. All right. So it's it's all part of the process. And I think it's great that you that you brought it up. Um, and in terms of like your future plans, like uh, you said, you're kind of in the pause period at the moment. What yeah. Is, like, what is <laughs> yeah. your what is your goal long term, and and what is your strategy or or like bite sized plans to get there? So um, so buy more properties. Um, obviously, once I've done my Reno, um, which is another got which is another challenge in itself. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> um that, but, you're doing um, that on your own place where you live yes yeah where I live where I live yeah yeah that's right um and um, yeah buy more properties so I do some volunteering now and again so that's probably going to be a bigger part of my life um as time goes on um I do love the job that I do so I'm not doing it to try and retire early I'll probably be always working part-time to be honest yeah. um if if only to stave away d- dementia perhaps but like I'll, <laughs> you retire, I'll you expire that's my philosophy yeah Never exactly <laughs> exactly like I I love what I do um I love um I, I just like it at the moment. So, um, yeah, and um, just to do more volunteering, more philanthropy. Um, I, on a very superficial note, I, I travel, so I'd like to maybe on a superficial note be able to buy business class wherever I want to go in the future um, and not have to pay for my kids to yeah. buy business class. Because <laughs> um, we just came back from Europe to see my family and obviously three your kids. Um, yeah. So like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd like to do that on a superficial note and just like buy nice things for myself. Um, so there's a sort of a balance between financial anorexia and um and sort of um enjoying the abundance Hmm. so I'm kind of better now with that balance before I would be like sacrifice sacrifice Mm -hmm. and like now I'm sacrificing at the moment for this reno um but I know that there'll be an end to this and I'll go back to the enjoying the fruits of my labor type thing so I'm I think the comment you made at the meetup about sort of, you know, not buying the ice cream, I'm completely like that. I completely <laughs> resonated with that because I'm like, that's me. Would I need to do that? I will absolutely do that. We'll yeah. not spend anything um, because I know there's a big expense coming. So like, yeah. I know, okay, I think it's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just a, I don't know. It's maybe it's just the way I've been brought up or I don't know. <laughs> No, yeah. I mean, just for people who don't know as well, we had this um, live member, not member, just a public meetup uh, for my community in Sydney and like more than 1100 people came and I made this comment of how when I first started property, when I came home from work, like I was an investment banker making a pretty okay money. I still would, I like that term you use, financial anorexia. I still wouldn't buy ice cream like at the 7-Eleven just to save every dollar. Um, and not that I recommend that or anything like that for, for everyone. Um, but there, there's a certain um, enjoyment in the hustle. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not like, it's not like anorexia in the sense that it's unhealthy, but yeah. there's an enjoyment in the hustle if you have a goal and if you know that the hustle is going to get you to that goal. And whatever it is, like it's fine if it's to travel business class, like we need to reward ourselves. It's not, uh, you're not a bad human being for wanting like the the finer things in life, oh. right? But that I kind of, I shouldn't say I miss it, but um, even now when I'm not having to like forego the ice cream, so to speak, um, 
I, I always try to remain in that mindset, like day one mindset, like when you start a company, like a startup, you know, whatever you do on day one, that is the mindset you should have at day five, day 10, year one, year 10, year 20, because that is what got you that success, that mindset. And I think yeah. that hustle is actually where the enjoyment is. Like, yeah, it's kind 100%. of paradoxical. <laughs> it's a hundred percent true. PK. When I became mortgage free and I was property investing, it's almost like this. And I'll say this potentially boredom set in. Um, and I was like, well, I was going to renovate my place. And now the renovations, now the next thing that I'm hustling for. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be back to property investing again. Um, it's almost like I'm a very goal orientated person as I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you are, but if I have that goal, I'm I'm hustling for it. And that's the, it's addictive. <laughs> it's almost addictive having that, um, that goal. It but is anyway. definitely addictive. No, it sounds like you're um you're setting a fantastic example um for for your kids, which is obviously like the most important thing in, in anyone's life who who's a parent. No, you know, you start uh, leading at home and and it's great. I mean, I think a lot of people get a lot of benefit from from hearing your story as well. For anyone who's out there, uh, Diva, who maybe is a a wife or or a mother or a single mother and you know they've had to work on their um mindset they've had to really be the become the breadwinners or they've had to be the spearhead uh, to think about the financial future of their family is there any advice that that you could give people or, or women in that sort of archetype um, from your own experience that will help them um I think don't don't be scared by it because um, I think a lot of the content I absorbed was by men um, and talk it and but it, I wasn't scared of that necessarily um, because the end goal is benefit for yourself and and by default your family members so just think of the end product think of the financial autonomy that you'll get from this that that is the sweetest taste of um you know every day like on most days i'm like i've got the big rocks in the jar i've got the three investments on the side um and i wanted to do that before i started um changing my own house because i know they're ticking away i'm like that's just the it's the best feeling that you've invested in your future. No one ever talks to you about that at school. No one teaches that at school. Parents probably don't even teach you. Um, you read it in a book and it's abstract, but when you live that, it's just the most amazing feeling. It's better than, you know, I feel it's better than a nice meal or even a nice flight or traveling is great, but knowing every day when I'm traveling, I know that these properties are in there just sitting there um, and taking away. It's like you, you just have to take that first step. And I I think you just have to bite the bullet and do it. <laughs> it's like you just almost have to close your eyes and do it. <laughs> and then once you've done the first one, the second, the third, whatever will get easier and easier. It's like, yeah, it's, um, I mean, I don't know what else I could probably tell people. You can read about it. You can listen to content all day long. But really, just you just have to take that first step. Um, and I, look, I'm proof, and the thousands of people that you've interviewed, it's proof. It's happened for regular people. Regular people. So, yeah. yeah. No, I think you can talk about the all of the strategy and tactics and techniques and methodologies till the cows come home. But when you hear like folks like yourself, like a, you know, just just say it in simple words and in very 
um, in a manner which is imbued with experience because you've done it, then I think that oftentimes just hits home uh, for people. So that's really the purpose of this episode and just trying to um, elevate you um, and and bring your story out because I know it will it will benefit so many of thousands of people um, out there. So so thank you so much and and I appreciate you you making time. And like I said at the start, like I think I think just communicating with people who have been there and done that, not necessarily paying them, not necessarily like going to the experts, not necessarily having to me. But like, you know, we we experienced in that community meetup last Tuesday, just being with other people of the same wavelength that um, are trying to do what what you're trying to do, that kind of motivation that that you get from those experiences, you know, even if it's just one conversation or one episode or podcast like this, that can just nudge you in the right direction and forever change the financial um, trajectory and destination of your life in 10, 20, 30 years. So it's um, it's so good that folks like you and Diva are, are so, you know, willing to share uh, your your story and and how you got there. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks, PK. Um, I just want to say like about the meetup. Um, I think I drove from Newcastle on that day because I think more than probably what you were going to say. I just wanted to be in that sort of space around so many people who were on a similar journey. And the energy in the room was like fantastic. The vibe was fantastic. I met quite a few people and we heard each other's stories. And I think if nothing else, I'm not a networker. I'm not naturally an extrovert or a networker, but I just interacted with so many people and it was a really safe space for us all to talk about our journeys and we weren't judged. Um, and I think that was um, that was an amazing. So if nothing else, that's what that created. Um, and so, like, yeah, that's that was just yeah. Thanks for thanks for organizing that. No, thank you for driving. I don't know what is it, two hours or whatever. Two hours, yeah, yeah, two hours, four <laughs> two hours, hours one way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was worth it. I think. Yeah, it was definitely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you so much. And it was it was great to to see you there and. And great to see so many other people there, clients or not clients. I think it, we're all on this journey together, whether you're doing like a course or using a, a different professional or whatever, we're all on the same journey. So it's always good to, to connect in that way. So um, guys, I, I will uh, share this on on my podcast and other platforms and um, in the Facebook group, if if uh, Diva allows me, I'll tag her and, um, yeah, and yeah, you cool. guys can yeah. definitely get in touch with her or at least leave questions or comments um, on the post. And, and she's a super nice person, as you can tell. Um, and yeah, it's just about helping each other. Thank you uh, once again. Thanks, PK. Thank you.